This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. My name is Magali, and I had the pleasure of being on Dr. Karen's Voice of Leadership podcast, and you don't want to miss it. We talked all things self-care, how to come back after burnout, and really how to start a company from scratch with two partners and engaging in courageous conversations. Hello. My guest today and her two business partners have built a company that is both profitable and also benefits nonprofits. I love their business model. Stay tuned for some creative and innovative ideas about an exciting way to do business in the modern world. So let me tell you about my guest, Magali Matu. She is the co-founder and chief revenue officer at Atlas Go. When she's not running, she's driving all things revenue on the sales and marketing team. Magali is a social entrepreneur with a personal mission to become the best version of herself by healing and helping others to heal. She's also a certified yoga teacher and Milestone Maker graduate. Magalie, welcome so much to The Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a delight to have you. And I'm so excited to actually talk to you about your company. From the first time I heard about it, I just loved what it is that you guys are doing in the world. So Magali, your company was built on collaboration and partnerships. I want to first start there and talk about the diverse backgrounds of you and your partners. So in your case, I know you're originally from France and you are the CRO of Atlas Go. Your co-founder and partner, Thomas, he's from Belgium. He's the CEO. And then your other co-founder and partner, Olivier from Switzerland is the COO. So tell us about Atlas Go. How did you meet your partners? How did the company get started? What's the backstory? Yeah, I'd love to. So to start off, originally, uh, Thomas, one of my co-founders, as you mentioned, came up with the idea of Atlas Go. He was running the 20 kilometers of Brussels. And in that race, which is very much nonprofit focused, uh, realized that there was an opportunity to use technology for us to be everyday heroes. And so that really drove the idea of the community-based application that we have today. And I'll really go in afterwards and explain um, the three different products and what Atlas Go does and how he decided to come to the tech city of the world, as well as a place where social impact is really important. And so uh, that's where he came to San Francisco for his master's in social entrepreneurship, the same masters that attracted Ali and I. And so we uh, were classmates originally. We loved his original idea, played around with it. I personally am a big runner. And so automatically connected to that and the social impact piece, which is something that's always been a really big part of my life. And then today, Atlas Go looks a little different. Um, So that community part is still available. People are able to download the application and plant trees with every activity. But the two parts really, our our business model is a B2B business model. 
Um, and so that's what's generating revenue today. And it is the enterprise side. We create virtual team building for a good cause for different companies. And then on the nonprofit side, we help create virtual races for them to be able to engage their communities and fundraise, uh, most importantly, for their costs. You know, this is really an exciting concept. I love it. And I'm sure people are probably wondering, well, how do you do a virtual race? So how do you do virtual team building? So tell us just a little bit about the virtual aspect of the work that you're doing. So really the term virtual means that you're doing it on the application. Um, You're still doing it physically yourself, but it's really, let's say you wanted to also be a part of the 20 kilometers of Brussels, which is coming up in a few weeks and me too, but you're sitting in the US, I'm sitting in France. We can still participate through the application by just doing our own 20 kilometers route and then uh, either tracking it with Atlas Go or we have integrations with different wearables or you can also enter it manually. So the idea is that it really offers a digital community building and interactions. You can see anybody everywhere in the world doing it by sharing their sweaty selfies, their photos. You can high five their photos. You can comment on them. So there can be that interaction in the virtual or in our mobile application. And then it also really enables organizations to be able to that way fundraise way more so that they're able to have their virtual races, you know, um, throughout the world. And then from an enterprise perspective, uh, obviously in today's, you know, work from home and everything has changed so much that this enables people to be able to organize team building events and still have that exchange wherever they're located. Okay. So we haven't quite gotten to the point yet where you could exercise virtually without moving and still get the benefit. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) So it's really more of a virtual connection and people are doing their running or exercising in their local environment. I love the fact that you really can have global partners for the fundraising efforts and many nonprofits therefore could raise a whole lot more funds and a whole lot more money as a result. Now, I know that you have put this company together so that it benefits the corporations who participate, the for-profit corporations, and it also benefits nonprofits. Talk a little bit about that and how you've structured yourselves to make that kind of an impact. Yeah, so this really started with the original idea. So we were going to companies and saying, hey, are you willing to sponsor a certain donation for people to unlock the funds uh, through doing different activities? So the idea is that people are taking care of themselves, but also giving back to the community. And as companies were giving us feedback on their original idea, very, very quickly, all of them were saying, we would love to do this, but for our employees. And so that's where about six months in, we pivoted our uh, business model and launched uh, on the B2B side. And so what this really uh, enables people to do is, or organizations, is for them to bring their employees together, bring also awareness to a cause that's really important to them as an organization, but also to their employees, and then be able to raise more awareness, raise more funds, uh, and connect. And then on the nonprofit side, they're still able to engage corporate sponsors through their virtual races by having them sponsor the events, having potential corporate teams participate if they wanted to. And then on the community side, all those angles are still at play. So it's three products, but really it's the same product molded a little bit differently to fit whatever the needs are of the specific client. So when we think about the the corporate for-profit business, how is it that they actually fund the nonprofit? 
talk a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, so usually the corporation will uh, decide to put up a certain amount as a company. So it usually comes more from the company rather than from the employees donating. And this is because they might have a charity partner of the year or with today's um, reality of climate change, a lot of companies are uh, realizing that they need to be a part of that change too. And they need to sign some bigger checks um, and, and dedicate that to different causes that are fighting climate change. So the transfer really happens uh, from that company deciding, hey, we're able to donate, you know, maybe $10,000, maybe $50,000. But what we want is not to just write a check to a nonprofit. We really want our collaborators or our employees to be a part of that change. And so through the Atlas Go campaign, they get to do activities that are tied to the theme. So I'll stay with the environment theme for a moment. These are challenges where the activities won't just be running and doing yoga, but they will also be activities like picking up, you know, doing a beach cleanup, or can you take your bike as opposed to your car to work today, depending on where you're located, obviously. But a lot of these activities as a theme to become more responsible uh, towards the environment. Obviously, the corporation still makes that transaction to the nonprofit uh, once the challenge is completed. But rather than just kind of signing a check and saying, we're pledging this amount, but we need you to unlock those funds and to really uh, engage in making a difference for us to make the donation. I just love that because it's really a benefit all the way around in a 360 kind of a way. So those who are in the for-profit corporation, they get a chance to engage in some activity that makes a difference. If it's physical fitness oriented, then that's those are the activities. Or if, like you're saying, it's about climate change, then that's the activity that's a part of it. So all the people get involved. They're a part of the movement, if you will. And then the nonprofit also benefits and receives the funds for whatever they're doing as well. So that brings me to you're structured as what's called a benefit corporation. So you're a for-profit organization, but a benefit corporation. Not everybody may know what that is. Talk about what a benefit corporation is, how you decided to become structured in that way. We are um, legally a benefit corporation and we're also a certified B Corp. And so a benefit corporation is really our legal entity. And so we started as a C corporation and then moved into a benefit corporation and the idea that in our bylaws, making sure that we're putting our mission and our purpose on the same importance as our profit. And so there are certain things that it really keeps us in check, really, that we're really uh, living our, our values. And then the B Corp certification is an organization called B Lab, which is basically you need to have a certain amount of points to get the certification. And it's based on a lot of different criteria. And so the criteria are things like governance, uh, how you're dealing with your employees, how you're ensuring that you're potentially, for example, your recruitment practices are diversified, but also things like the environment. How are, how are your offices? So it really goes into a lot of detail. And what we did is decided to do that from the beginning. So we became a pending B Corp at first as we incorporated. And that allowed us to really have uh, all of those values in our DNA. And for us to then be able to certify, we needed to uh, abide by a certain criteria, which we already knew. So it became, you know, almost, I, I don't want to say easy because it's not an easy process, but it was easier because we did it from the get-go. And it was something that was super important to us. 
you know, I love the fact that you were talking about the purpose and the, the mission and the values and how they all come together and not just in what you're doing for others. However, also walking that talk internally in your own organization and living those values every day in terms of how you treat the environment or how you treat your own people as an example. So I love just the heart of that, that it's something that's in your DNA, that your organization has taken that seriously. So now let me ask about you and your two partners, the co-founders, all three of you. How have you leveraged the diversity between the three of you? You're coming from three different European countries. You're mostly all three living still in the U.S. at this point as you're running this business from San Francisco. So how do those cultural, I'll say assets from the three of you coming from different points of view and living in the United States, how do you meld all that together? So I think that actually coming the three of us from similar or European countries that are that are nearby made us automatically kind of click and have something in common. I think that we are, however, extremely different in our personalities and our backgrounds and um, our experiences. And I think that has only been a benefit to Atlas Go. And often our employees will say, I don't know how all of you are such good friends because you're so different, but it works and it really, really works in how you're creating the business because each of you bring in such a different point of view that you need to really come together and ensure that you're you're at the end of the day finding the best solution for Atlas Go. It's been an amazing experience. At the beginning, three non-technical co-founders in Silicon Valley was something that a lot of people uh, were telling us, oh, you guys need a, a, a technical co-founder. This isn't going to work. You're building an app. Um, but in the end, it worked. I think that we work really, really hard at our relationship. We have these courageous conversations that was brought up to us by a coach early on. And that really enables us to understand our differences and work at our relationship. It's We've been doing this for five years together, and um, there's a lot of things that come up through that. And so it's really important to ensure that we get to the nitty gritty of all those things uh, to be able to also have the culture that we want to have uh, in this company for it to be healthy and, and sane for us all. You know, you're bringing up several points that I think are just really crucial. One, there's unity in diversity and the diversity brings a complementarity of skills so that when all of those skills are put together, you actually have a whole that's really greater than the sum of its parts. And so you're bringing different lenses, which the business needs in a lot of ways. And yet you also talked about, yet there can be conflict when there are different points of view, when there's a difference in approach and viewpoint. And so you had to learn to have courageous conversations. And that's what high performance teams do is they engage each other at that level so that they maximize the benefit, if you will, of the diversity that you're bringing to the table. So I think that also is a phenomenal aspect of the business and the opportunity that you've managed to leverage there together. I guess what I wanted to add is just that this is something that I think often gets overlooked because it's especially on the first years of starting a business, uh, talking about, you know, what's going on or the difficulties that people might be having might not seem like a priority because there's so much to do and so much to focus on. Uh, but really, that's, I think, where the foundation also gets built. 
and those interpersonal relationships being so important and yeah at the end the success of the business you know that's probably true about anything in life where we're dealing with other people even a marriage i mean you've got to focus on the relationship and it's the relationships <laughs> that are the foundation and that's so important and the different communication strategies and styles, that's kind of like the oil that makes it all work without the friction, if you will, that causes a difficulty or, or problem. So I appreciate you sharing that aspect with us as well. Now, I know that one of the hallmarks of your company is a fitness emphasis. And so I want to ask you, how did fitness become an important part of your life? Because we know that one of the things you spend a lot of time doing is running in particular. So tell us a little bit about that. So I started uh, running in school. I ran track and field. It was something that I don't know exactly how I got introduced to, but absolutely loved it. Um, and then later on in life, running really became how I released stress. And so I came to it as a very much a fitness and, you know, uh, active person and really found actually the uh, mental health. Uh, benefits that it has. And then I moved to San Francisco, started a business, I uh, had more stress. And so this is where I turned to yoga, which five years before that, I felt like, oh, this isn't a sport. This isn't for me. And today I'm a yoga teacher and preach uh, about yoga and its benefits, um, specifically really the links with the physical and the mental and the emotional. So I think that fitness is something that used to be a really important part. And today I, I kind of molded that or changed that into really well-being. And that includes the physical, but also really taking care of my mental health and uh, emotional health. I love that. I mean, you're looking at the, the yourself as a whole person. It's the physical, it's the mental, it's the emotional, it's all of it as one package. Because if even one of those elements is off, we're really not physically fit. We're not in well-being, you know, if you really think mm -hmm. about it. So that's an important insight. And I'm sure the corporate partners that you're working with, they're also looking at well-being for their employees and to engage them and talk a little bit about what's the benefit to a company long-term if they focus on that. Definitely. So we've seen the importance of um, companies doing this for employee loyalty, for motivation, for even success and metrics doing, you know, much better job when they know that they're being taken care of as a company or by their company uh, as an employee. And that they can also really have a space to, to release if, there, if there's something that's going on. So some of our challenges have activities like meditation, but some of our challenges, especially during the pandemic, also had things like 30 minutes of me time because they were companies were noticing how little uh, boundaries their employees were having and how hard it was actually for them to really take care of themselves. Or you know, organizations that have a lot of parents that work for them. And so adding activities like reading a story to my child or, um, you know, a dance off with my child. So our activities, again, started really fitness focused and then have evolved over the years. And then 
throughout this pandemic completely kind of shattered any ideas that we had. We went outside the box because people were realizing that people were in need of support. Companies were realizing their their employees needed support and ideas. And also, I think people were really looking for uh, a way for their companies, but also their managers to tell them it's okay to take the time to do these things. And so when you're creating a well-being challenge and saying, hey, go read a story to your child and you'll get extra points and potentially win this challenge, right? Then it really gives you uh, a feeling of that you're being taken care of as, as an employee. I really like that piece where it's sort of like dialing in the employee engagement part of it and where the employee understands that the employer cares about them beyond just the workplace. So if you're focusing on, oh, I can read a story to my child or do a dance off with my child, get points at work. My company cares about me as a human being, cares about me and my family as well. That's actually very powerful when you connect that, as you said, with the loyalty that those employees will subsequently have towards the company as well. So you're you're dialing in some of the things that you've learned about self-care that perhaps you wish that every corporate executive and entrepreneur knew What else would you put in that bucket of something you wish that everyone would know? I think um, one I touched on, but is really the ability to set boundaries. I think today with technology, and I'm a co-founder of a technical application, but I think that it's harder and harder to set boundaries when you've got so many devices beeping at you, telling you, hey, answer this email or this Slack message, especially What I noticed for us is because we are a team that, um, so we're global as an organization, we work both in the US uh, and in Europe. And so when basically there's always somebody working. And so if your Slack is always on, you could get notifications 24 seven. And so I think one thing that's been really, really important for me personally, and we really encourage this within the company is to completely turn things off. And so delete things off of the phone that are not gonna be helpful having a Slack Often also when you get a notification, you're not in a space to answer, there's going to be a reply that's really not what you actually wanted to reply or what you intended. So I think the more boundary setting we have, the also smarter we work because then you're really in that space. You've got, you know, your, whether it's your little desk home setup um, and your computer where you're able to really uh, answer and focus in that moment being like, okay, I'm sitting in this chair and this is the work time and not kind of half on the couch, half on the bed, half on this chair. And then your brain really never knows if it's working time or if it's, you know, taking care of myself time or enjoying my life with my partner time. Yeah, that's really important. It's all about focus and really being able to focus your resources on the one thing that you're doing at the moment. And I think it's kind of a myth, this notion of multitasking. We really Mm -hmm. can only do one thing at a time. So we might as well give full effort and energy to the one thing we're doing at the time. And then when we're finished doing that, or we don't want to do that anymore, then switch to something else. It's kind of like a misnomer that we can do it all at the same time, we end up not doing any of it very well. So I think that's a great insight that you mentioned about the boundaries and getting to a place of focus. So what have you also learned about burnout and how's that changed the way that you work today? Yeah, so I 
basically the pandemic was an amazing uh, growth for Atlas Go. So as you can imagine, um, a lot of people were looking for a technology that does virtual team buildings for their companies and a technology that allows for nonprofit virtual races, which meant that uh, one day I woke up and opened uh, our inbox where leads come in, uh, requests come in and thought there was something wrong with our website um, because of the amount uh, and the influx we had. And then it feels like the beginning of the pandemic was a long time ago, but when that was happening, we really didn't know how long it was going to last. And so for me personally, my thinking wasn't into, okay, this is a long-term growth. I need to hire a team. I need to train them because I need help. It was more this maybe only will last a month. I need to, you know, grow the business as much as I can for this month. And so I was completely overworked uh, and and began to burn out. And I think first I really started noticing the signs when I wasn't happy anymore about getting up and going to work. Whereas it's a company that, um, you know, I built that I love. Um, I believe so much in our product, but it got to a point where it was just too much. I was connected twenty four seven. I wasn't taking the time off. There also wasn't really an easy way to disconnect because everything else was closed. And so there wasn't a lot of things pulling me saying, hey, let's go do this or do that. And so I got completely sucked into work. And it really, basically what it took for me to come out of that was my uh, fiance, his family is in Florida. And so we ended up going to the pandemic or part for part of the pandemic to Florida. And so I worked very different hours and I realized that working normal work hours, I was actually working half of what I was working when I was in San Francisco, because in San Francisco, we're so behind in terms of the time difference with Belgium and we have a team there. I was just working nonstop. And so a learning was that I believe that you can you can know that you're burnt out without having to move state, first of all, and time zone. Um, but that's what I needed in that time. And that it's really, really, really important to as soon as it's kind of that you're getting the alarm bells and the warning signs to really get help um, because it affected my health uh, in a lot of ways. And so it's it's also a recovery process to that, to finding my energy back. You know, I'm a huge runner and there is a lot of um, I just couldn't go as far anymore. I just didn't have the same kind of energy. And so, yeah, it, it's it's real. It's really real. And it can happen to anybody at any age. And I think it's important for us to talk about it and understand that, you know, there's ways that we can get help um, and that we really need to. Yeah. At, at the end, it's it's about the day to day small things that allow you to set the right boundaries uh, to make sure that you don't get to that point where it's just too much. You know, I love what you're saying that it's important to pay attention to the warning signs. That means really being sensitive to yourself and listening to your own body on all those dimensions we said before. You talked about feeling unhappy. Well, that's a sign, you know, that's <laughs> kind of looking at the emotional side of things. And then also something that you love and not maybe loving it as much. That's a sign. It's like, okay, something's going on. What's happening or not having the energy to run in the same way that you did before. I think this is huge. I mean, looking at pace, recognizing that humans, we do need our recovery periods. We need our rest times on an ongoing basis or else the body kind of like says, 
that's enough. And it'll shut you down if you don't shut down (laughs) on your own. So I think that's important wisdom, you know, that you're sharing with everyone in the audience, you know, to pay attention to that burnout really is a real phenomenon and it can be prevented. And, and also Mm -hmm. if you get into it, you need to do something about it. You have to treat it. It doesn't just go away (laughs) in Mm -hmm. essence. So thank you. Thank you for being transparent and sharing that, that personal experience as well. When you think about your background as you grew up in life, what do you think prepared you for what you're doing now? So I think that one thing that really uh, prepared me is my um, parents moved around a lot due to my dad's job. So as a family, we moved around a lot. So every around three to five years, we would get up and go and it was cross-continental. So I, I actually was born in Asia, Singapore, I lived in Thailand, then moved to Europe, then later on to the US and back to Asia. And I think that what that really gave me was one perspective and an understanding and an ability to really put myself in somebody else's shoes because I got to see so many different types of perspective, but also an adaptability and flexibility to new situations because, you know, my senior or junior year of high school. So for my senior year, my parents were like, Hey, we're moving to South Korea. We're moving to Seoul in two weeks. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Um, and so it obviously in, in that one, I actually got a choice. Um, the other ones, I was too young to get a choice, but in that one, they were, you know, saying, Hey, if you want, we'll, we'll stick it out and finish your senior year. Otherwise we'll move. But what that allowed for, for me was just, you know, to be able to be in a new situation at a really young age and learn a new language sometimes and just adapt and, and learn that um, I could still thrive, even if everything that I knew didn't exist in front of me. So you were adventurous and opted to go to South Korea in your senior year. I did. I was. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, your, your background definitely has prepared you for operating a global company and working with diverse <laughs> partners from all over the place. So that's phenomenal. So um, <laughs> that's great. So when you think about the future, what do you envision in the future for the company and also for yourself? Yeah, so they're actually really similar in that it's really moving towards a more holistic self and company. What I mean with the company is we really, and we're already going there, but we really started as a fitness application and we are more and more incorporating other parts of what it means to be a human because at the end of the day, we're working to help corporations help their employees, which is just a bunch of other humans that are trying to make it in this world and be happy and fulfilled and motivated and excel. And so on that side, and then on the nonprofit and virtual race side, it's really the same thing because it's a lot of people that are wanting to push their boundaries with these races, but also really give back, uh, bring awareness to causes that sometimes are extremely personal because it's affecting themselves or people in their families. And that also from a holistic perspective is really giving back to community, bringing communities back together. And then for me personally, it's, uh, you'd mentioned at the beginning, but I'm here really to be the, or to continue to become the best version of myself and uh, to heal and help others. So that's, that's my life mission. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And as you've been going along in the company, you're learning every day all of you as you're moving forward, including about leadership. So 
what are some of the additional daily practices within Atlas Go that sort of embody what I'd call this modern approach to leadership? What are you doing that might be a little bit different from what others might think about? Yeah, one of the ways that we're doing that is um, every Monday we have our staff, our all staff team meeting, um, and we start that meeting with three minutes of meditation. Uh, So we just put a timer, a gong that starts, a gong that ends it. And it's just really a moment for us to release, uh, let go of our thoughts, really come to the present moment. And then the second part or the, what we jump in right after is traffic lights. And we do this for any important meeting. And so it's really asking people if on a traffic light, so whether they're red, yellow, or green, um, green being you're doing great, yellow, there's something that's not great, red, you're not okay. And it's up to each person if they want to go into the details or not about whatever is going on, but it really helps us understand what's happening in the other person's life. And if we have to make a really important decision that day and that person that has a big decision or a big say in that isn't doing so good, it's probably not a good time. And, and it's best for us to maybe put it at a different time or yeah, at least really understand that's what that person is going through. Those are some of the two things or two of the things that, that we do on a regular basis. Phenomenal. I love it. Again, living out the values in the company as well. So if people want to learn more about the company or they want to contact you to set up one of these arrangements on the, let's say, for-profit corporate side, or if somebody nonprofit is out there listening and they want to contact you, how do they get in touch? Yeah, so they can, one, go on our website, that's atlasgo.org, or our virtual race site, which is virtualraces.org. And then if they want to contact me directly, they can email me, I'm magali at atlasgo.org, or any uh, other info, they can go through our hello at atlasgo.org. And if they want to chat more on a maybe informal basis, they can find me on Instagram at yogini on a journey. Okay, wonderful. And we will make sure that we put the website and all of those addresses in the show notes as well. Can you just spell out loud your name, Magalie, so that when you're going to find <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it's Magalie, M-A-G-A-L-I at atlasgo.org. Thank you so much. So as we're wrapping up things now, Magalie, what words of wisdom or learning do you want to leave for my audience of executive business leaders? I think one thing that I am continuously working on is really being centered and listening to myself. Um, I think we, I've been doing this for five years with Atlas Go, and there has always, you know, been a nudge for that holistic direction and, and need to go there. And I think, and need to really have that time to be quiet and Uh, go within to listen to, yeah, ourselves, because at the end of the day, there's so much feedback, there's so much we can learn from others. But I also really, really believe in being centered within oneself to uh, listen for the little voices of guidance and where uh, our path continues to be. Thank you so much, Magalie, for sharing that, that, you know, it's okay to listen to other people, but There comes a time when you also have to stop and listen to yourself. There is your own inner voice that's important to acknowledge and pay attention to. And so I really thank you, Magali, for sharing with us today how one can have a profitable company and also do good in the world and benefit other people. It's not an either or 
proposition. And in fact, you can live in mission and purpose and according to your values and how you treat each other in the workplace, how you treat your partners outside of the workplace. And that's really significant. We all could be healthier if we were paying attention to ourselves and our organizations from a holistic point of view. And I thank you for sharing all the specific tips and strategies for doing that, including the three minutes of meditation before meetings and the traffic light, just to check in with each other. What is my partner's emotion right now? Is this a good time to bring up this topic or not? Love the way that you and your partners have leveraged your diversity for the benefit of your organization. That speaks to a high level of respect that you have for each other and a commitment to living out the values that you've espoused. So thanks again for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. You are so welcome. It's been a pleasure to have you as a guest. Hopefully you'll come back again at another time. So I'd like to just end today's segment with our biblical word of wisdom. And I think this one is particularly relevant given what Magali has shared with us today. This comes from the from 3 John, that book, and verse 2. And it says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.